Good day to you. Hope you're having a wonderful day. Want to look at another question from the Bible. If God is for us, who can be against us? Now this comes to us from Romans chapter 8, verse 31. It's a part of that verse. It's not the entire verse. This is not just a rhetorical question. Rather, it's Paul, in a part of his message here, proving and showing God's love for us and proving that God does not and will not abandon us, but keeps us and delivers us. And it's all part of a logical discourse that he has. Now, we're going to look at this. It's in Romans chapter 8, and it's going to be verses 28 through 39. So those verses are what we're going to be looking at. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose. Notice the words used here, we know, not we think or kind of hope or wish. No, we know that God does this. There is no doubt. Whether the situation is good or bad from a human perspective, God helps us to receive something good from it. Sometimes He helps us to grow spiritually and to become more Christ-like through hardships. Sometimes what we think is a trouble or a pain is actually a blessing in disguise. But regardless, we can be sure that God works things for our good to help us. We may not be able to see the good or understand it, but we don't need to. We need to trust God and believe that He means the best for us. Now, this is not to say that there aren't great wrongs that happen and that are of no benefit. That's true. But we're looking at this, some, some people look at this as being a total blanket, 100% worldwide statement involving everyone. And I take it more of as a personal statement. We should understand that in our lives, personally, everything that we go through and that we work through, and, and even, even if we die for the Lord, all those things are working to our good according to His, the Lord's purpose. So that's a difficult thing to accept sometimes, but it's true. But I'm looking at that from a very personal standpoint. Not where you look at like, let's say you look at the Holocaust and you look at all the Jews that were killed. I'm not saying that God works that to our good because that was a total evil, bad wrong that evil men did. Okay, So we're not saying that that is worked to our good. However, if we were ever in such a situation and we lived through that and then died basically basically as a martyr for God, that would still be working to our good in its own way. Not that what these evil men were doing was right, but again, looking at it and taking it in a very personal way. Because we as Christians can come under persecution, and they do in other parts of the world. They come under heavy persecution. And I still believe that all those things work to their good because they're going to go to heaven and be with the Lord and they have a stronger faith and, a, and everything because of the things they go through. Notice it says, to those who love God, 
and to those who are the called. These phrases refer to all believers. All believers, all true Christians, love God and are called to bring others to Christ. That's our job. That's our mission. Even if it is just by setting the right example or working as a servant in some way, you don't have to be the preacher or a teacher or the elder or a leader in your congregation or service to be part of God's mission and part of bringing others to Christ. Let's continue on. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Now these two verses can sound confusing and be confusing, but we must understand that God is all-knowing. Now here he's still talking about those he called, that's everyone, right? Those who, who he foreknew, that's everyone. Those he predestined, that's everyone. That's all the Christians, that's everyone, right? Now, but there's another thing about this. He knew us before we ever came close to existing, right? And he chose us, all of us, before we were born. And what I mean by that is, he predestined, chose all of us, every human, everyone. God chooses. He opens that door and he chooses everyone. His invitation is open to every human being, any of us who will choose to come to him and believe and accept him as our father, then we are called to his work. We are forgiven and justified in his sight, and he glorifies us through Jesus. Now, I do want to make sure, even though I said that about accepting him as our father, I do want to make sure that we understand that Jesus is the way, okay? Jesus is that door to God, okay? Because we are a part of Jesus when we're baptized into Christ. We are a part of the body of Christ. So we are a part of Jesus. So this predestination is just saying that God has opened that door through Christ for all of us. He does not remove your free will. You can choose not to come to God. You can choose not to believe. But he has chosen all of us, every human being, and he welcomes every one of us who does come to him, who will repent and follow Jesus. He welcomes all of us. So when it's talking about this predestined, it just means that he has selected everyone. He has opened that door for everyone who will come to him. It doesn't mean that, well, there's certain people that they are predestined, they're going to be saved regardless of what they do, and everybody else is condemned. It doesn't mean anything like that. And I know that these verses are confusing, and I believe that is because, you know, the Greek translation to English can be difficult sometimes. Some meanings, some things may not be as clear 
in our language as it was in theirs and in their customs and other things. There's a lot of things that can affect that. Um, but this is the idea of this. It's not really a predestination so much as God has opened that door for all of us, for everyone. He has chosen all of us if we would just come to him. It's like if you see God and Satan picking teams, God is saying, I'll take everybody. All they have to do is come to his side. It, I know that's kind of a silly analogy, but that's really all it is. He's, he's just said, I've, I've opened the door, and that door is Christ. And you just come to Christ, and then you're on God's team, and you're with him. And we can just leave Satan over there by himself. He doesn't need an equal-sized team or anything. We don't, we don't want to be on that side. So that may be a little bit of a silly analogy, but I think that's fairly easy to understand that God has invited all of us to come to him through Christ. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Here, Paul makes the comparison, if God the Father gave up his son, which he did, and did not spare him any suffering to save us, meaning Jesus went through all that suffering to save us, and God saw that. God knew that. Now, imagine you are surrendering your child, allowing him or her to suffer horrible abuse, sacrificing that one you love, that you hold dear, because you want to save all these others. Because you love them too. You love and adore that one, but you also love these others. Now, if you are willing and able to do that, then what else are you willing to to sacrifice, to save or help those others. Those other others over there, they're the ones you're trying to save. And that's the comparison being made. God, who gave Jesus his son to suffer because he loves us and he wanted to save us, he will not withhold any good thing from us. Now, sometimes we think something is good that is not good for us, and that's normal. That happens with children all the time. They want something, they think it's good, and they want it. But those things might be withheld. If all your child wanted to do was eat Tootsie Rolls all day, you would probably withhold some of those Tootsie Rolls, right? I mean, you know, a little bit goes a long way, and that's good, but too much is too much. So, that kind of thing. If we will follow God, He will bless us more than we can know and understand and certainly far more than we deserve. Let's continue on. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. This is the same kind of comparison idea since God has made such a great sacrifice for us to save us, who do you think he's going to allow to come against us? Who do you think is going to bring a charge against us when God, God, the judge and, and 
you know, ruler of the universe when he has justified us and said we're good? Who is going to bring a charge against us in that case? No one. And who's going to condemn us? Christ has already died and has risen, and he's making intercession for us. So who do you think they are going to allow to come against us? We are all God's children. If we follow the Lord, he does not condemn us at all, but he defends us. If you see Revelation chapter 12, Satan has been cast out and is no longer our accuser standing before God. Instead, Jesus is our defender and intercessor before God. Jesus, the very Son, the very one who suffered for us. God saw his suffering and knows what he did for us. He's not going to let that sacrifice be in vain. Jesus is not bringing charges against us. He's not condemning us. He stands before God saying, I paid the price for their sin. That debt is paid. I am washing them clean of their sins. And you can look and see that he does that in Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. So then, in the next verse, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For your sake we are killed all day long, we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Jesus loved us so much that he gave himself on the cross. Do we think a little trouble in this life is going to make him not love us? Even if we fail horribly, miserably, he still loves us. And if we repent and turn back to him, he washes us clean again. There is no hardship we go through that means Christ does not love us or care for us. We may not understand why we go through those things, those hardships, and it may seem unfair, and we may feel that we're separated from God, but we are not. And it does not change the Lord's love for us. Even if we die for Him, it does not mean He does not love us. Quite the opposite. It doesn't mean that we are not saved. Again, quite the opposite. We will still be with Him in eternity, and it just proves that, our, that we have that faith and love in return. Looking at the next verses, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. And all these things He's talking about is all those hardships, all those trials, all that tribulation. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height or depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I think Paul, here in these last few verses, really sums this up very well. Regardless of how the world may see us in our life, how they may look upon us, in Jesus we are more than conquerors and we are totally victorious with him. He will not allow anything to come between him and us. He loves us that much. No demon, no government, nothing can separate us from our God. As long as we choose to follow the Lord, 
He is near to us. The Holy Spirit is in us. God is always with us. Even when we don't feel like it, like I was saying before, or even if we don't have it constantly thinking about that on our mind, the fact that he's with us, he just is. If you ask the Lord, are you with me? I believe his response will always be, I am, because that is who he has always been and who he is and who he will always be. So if God is for us, who can be against us? Well, because God is with us and he is for us, no one can stand against us. Ultimately, no one and no thing can prevent us from being with him forever in heaven. So I want to thank you for listening. Hope you have a wonderful day. May God bless you and keep you safe. And remember, God loves you.